0: The peace of Christ be with you. you. Let's give ourselves the gift of three deep breaths to be drawn into the presence of the Spirit and held by this house of prayer. Friends, now let us worship together.
1: We're going to teach you a new song today. So we'll sing it through once, and then we'll invite you to sing it with us a couple of times.
2: Come share the spirit moving among us, weaving in and through this place. Breaking down the walls that split and divide, bringing wholeness to embrace. Will you join us? Come share the spirit moving among us, weaving begin and through this place. Breaking down the walls that split and divide, bringing wholeness to embrace. Let's do that again. Come share the spirit moving among us, weaving begin and through this place.
3: Morning, please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Call us into your presence, O God. Challenge us in love.
1: Please join us. The lyrics are printed right there in your bulletin.
2: Come, living spirit, bloom in our hearts as when the desert bursts with light. Take thirsty souls, fill them with your love, and remove all greed and strife. Come, rushing waters, and let justice roll like an ever-flowing stream. To the poor find strength as they hear the good news, and the rich adopt new dreams. tongues with the messages of peace till the blind we see and deaf we hear and in prison find release come gentle breezes breath of our loving given to God's chosen bed let us dance and feast with the broken ones
1: bring compassion to our land amen you may be seated
4: Again, welcome to uh, worship this morning at Westminster. Let's join together now in our community prayer found in your bulletin. Let's pray. For the beauty of creation, we give you thanks. For the gift of friendship, we bless you. For your abiding love, we offer praise. Help us to see your love as a source and guide our love for one another, help us to recognize your care for us as calling for care of those in need. Forgive us for turning away from one another and help us to see your faith, you lived out in acts of neighborliness to others. Friends, sometimes when we are in the presence of the Holy One, we can feel our limitations and we can feel the need for forgiveness, for restoration and for care. And as we feel those things, we can remember that the Holy One waits for us, wants to embrace us, wants to restore and give us care. And this is the divine spirit our mother father god who awaits us always thanks be i like to invite any
5: of the children worshiping with us to join me here we are any of the children worshiping with us welcome to join me here at the front I have to tell you, a long time ago, I stayed at I think the nicest hotel that's ever been built. I was Holiday doing Inn. a wedding, it's not a Holiday Inn. <laughs> so, I, so I was doing a wedding in Orlando, Florida, and the people doing the wedding were so, or the people uh, who were being wedded, who were being married, were so nice to let me stay at the hotel which was something Ritz Grand Lakes or something like that. It was a long time ago. But I'll never forget because it was so nice. When you walk in, they didn't just offer you water. They had the water containers. You know, they had the fruit inside. They had the pool that looked like it had no end to it. It just kept going. They came in, they even fluffed the pillows in our room every day. People came into our room and picked up the pillow and fluffed it and put it back. It was the nicest place I've ever stayed. And I only stayed there for two nights in my entire life. But it was so nice, I'll never forget it. And it made me think, as I was there with other friends who never stayed at places like that, I thought, ah, I wonder, is this, this is so nice. Everyone is so nice here. Everyone is so kind. Everyone's helping me. Is this, maybe this is kind of what heaven is like. I wonder. You know? It made me think, and it made me think. What do you what do you think heaven might be like? What do you think heaven is like? What do you think heaven might be like when we get older, or when I mean, yeah. What do you think?
6: <laughs>
5: Sorry, that wasn't the correct thing to say. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Everyone's friends is there? Yeah, with all your friends. What games might you be playing in heaven?
7: I would be tonight.
5: Yeah. Minecraft? Yes. Switch? Yeah. Chess? Yeah. Yeah. You impressed all the adults when you said chess. So, maybe playing basketball or soccer. Maybe maybe there will be gymnastics where you won't hurt yourself or you won't get injured when you fall on your head. So, and that would be very welcome for me. You know, so Jesus also talked a lot about heaven. And it was interesting because when he taught us to pray, he said, "Make he said, make this place more like that place. More, make this planet, Earth, more like heaven. And then he started to describe what he thinks heaven is like. And that's pretty good description because he actually came from there. So I wonder what, how he described heaven. Do you know how he described heaven? Well, fortunately for you, your facilitators are going to help you find that out. So we're going to head to our class of sacred stories and turn us. Go now in peace.
4: So I'd like to invite you to join in a bidding prayer this morning, which is, as you know, Uh, a couple of opportunities for you to call out people or places or situations which are on your mind. And I will also raise a couple of areas for our prayerful attention too. So let's join together in prayer. God, we bring our needs to you today and our hopes We pray for the leaders and prophets in the church and in our society. We ask that they be heard. We ask for open hearts and minds and wisdom and recognition of your spirit. God we pray for the places in our world especially that are troubled by polarization, division, strife. Hear us as we name those places that are on our hearts and minds today. Lord, hear us. We pray for family, for friends, for any who are suffering because of sickness or who struggle or grieve Hear us as we call out their names, Lord. Hear us. God, we pray for those who work to provide health and care, for any who are sick and in grief or loss give them hope and strength as they seek to assist. In our sometimes divided society, we pray especially for those who have been made to feel unwelcome, less than. Spirit of Christ, open the hearts of all that we can work to overcome ignorance and fear and prejudice, and that we see others as you saw them And we pray for our public servants, especially those that have been affected by loss of income and family stress during the government shutdown. We give thanks for the services that they render, for the ways that we know now better, how they enhance our lives and our security. We ask for a speedy and full recovery. In the midst of much that can be troubling, Encourage us by your spirit into peace and compassion and healing and remind us of your daily presence. We pray now the prayer that our Lord taught us saying together, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
2: you are made for so much more than all of this You're beautiful You're beautiful You are treasured You are sacred You are blessed You're beautiful Praying that you have the heart to cause you are more than what is hurting you tonight, all the fears you've held inside so long, they are nothing in the fullness of God's love, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you were made for so much more. Then all of this You're beautiful You're beautiful You are treasured You are sacred You are blessed You're beautiful Before you ever took a breath Long before the world began Of all the wonders God possessed There were some more precious Of all the
3: tough act to follow today. (laughs) The scripture reading today is uh, from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to us today. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor." And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, "Today." This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is holy wisdom, holy word.
0: Last week during the time of discovery with the children, I, in addition to talking about donut holes, actually raised an important question with them. The third and fourth graders were about to go in and talk about the very passage Stephen just read from Luke's Gospel, in which Jesus is quoting Isaiah about the good news. And I said to them, in a seemingly innocuous way, "Uh, I wonder if you can pay special attention in Sunday school to just what that good news is. Now, it seems like a harmless question, easy enough for children, But I wonder how well we truly understand what Jesus meant when he talked about the good news. We say that phrase all the time in church, good news. The word gospel simply means good news. But are we really clear about what Jesus was trying to teach about when he spoke of the good news? I think it's a fair and open question. I think my guess is if we surveyed a bunch of Christians, in fact, it'd be better if we surveyed non-Christians about what the good news means because that would be a better indicator of how well we've told the story, right? But if we surveyed a bunch of people and said, what's the good news of Jesus Christ? My guess is you'd get some form of an answer such as this, that if you believe in Jesus uh, and proclaim it because he died for your sins, you get to go to heaven and throw in some being good for kind of good measure. But that's salvation, right? Some churches talk a lot about that's how you're saved when you proclaim that. Now, sometimes actually that way of speaking pushes people away. They consider the notion, wait a minute, you're telling me we have a loving God who would uh, love all the children and yet say uh, some of them get to be saved to eternal life and therefore, by extension, some not? How could we believe in a God that denies some of God's own children salvation? And perhaps some of you may come to this very church because we don't tend to talk in that manner. It turns out Christian thought on this has not been stagnant over time. In fact, there have been some key changes, and it's worth investigating those changes because it might lead us to a very different place and to a fuller understanding of the good news Brian Zond is a pastor of a non-denominational church in Missouri. And he summarizes in an interview I heard recently, a key theological shift in the history of the church. He says, the early church, the very early church, had a consistent and bold anti-empire message. In other words, they saw their function was to be a community that lived differently than the dominant norm, that critiqued in word and in deed the way power was used to exploit, to take advantage of, to coerce, to force uh, people to do all kinds of things, to enslave them. They existed to critique that and to stand apart from that. And they did this until they became the empire. Right. Constantine, emperor, becomes a Christian. And as Zahn points out, in that moment you see a massive theological shift in the thinking of the church. So now the, the emphasis moves dramatically from the ordering of society to the afterlife and to heaven. Now, they're still Christians, so they can't just get rid of Jesus, so they have to give him a role, so they decide to say, well, Jesus is going to be the Secretary of Afterlife Affairs, all right? So you handle that, and we'll take care of running the show down here, all right? So no longer was the church about reordering society, because it had society. It was the empire. It was in charge. You see that shift? Now, of course, it's not that simple. And I shouldn't imply that it's insidious. You could almost see how this would unfold naturally. Christians now become in charge, and they think they're doing it well. And so probably subconsciously even, if we're going to be generous about it, they stop paying as much attention to the places in Scripture and in the tradition that held power accountable. I just We don't need that as much, because now we're in power and we're handling it well. Of course, if you know your history, you see what the church did with its unbridled power. Not such a wonderful track record. We live in a really interesting time because for the first time since Constantine, the church is strongest away from the power centers of the world, economic and military power centers. And in those centers, like the United States, the church is in massive decline. Now, there's good news in that. Because the good news of that is the church is finally free to reclaim some of its prophetic edge. See, it has less to protect. Less of its own power to protect because its power is being stripped from it. And so it can get back to doing the true gospel calling of restoring power to the powerless and protecting that. You don't believe me? Listen to how Jesus talks about the good news it's not at all in this passage like the version i laid out prior what does jesus say first of all he quotes isaiah we'll get back to his jewish heritage a little bit later but he says the spirit is upon me to proclaim the good news to whom the poor to do what to release the captives to restore sight to the blind Let the oppressed go free. Nothing to do with heaven. Nothing to do with the afterlife. All about worldly conditions here and now for actual people. Now, maybe you say, well, what Jesus was saying was he was promising those people who suffer uh, a ticket into heaven later as a reward. So let's not shake things up. And I would agree with you as a potential answer if the next phrase didn't exist. Jesus says, I have come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, it's easy to rush right through that line. It doesn't mean a whole lot to folks like you and me. But Jesus' hearers would have understood exactly what that phrase referred to. Jesus is referring to this Jewish understanding of the year of the jubilee. That's the year of the Lord's favor. This periodic occasion when, anybody know what happened? You were to forgive all debts, all economic debts. You were to return land to its owners and you were to set slaves free. Jesus says, in my coming, I'm proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor is here now. And inviting us to live into that. And that would have been totally consistent with his Jewish heritage, with the scriptures that he read, such as Isaiah, who he's quoting right there. The great Franciscan, Richard Rohr, says, Remember, for the Jewish people, salvation was about well being in the here and now. Are the people safe? Do they have enough to eat? Are they sustainable? Are they protected? Can they live in peace? That's what salvation meant. And when God saved them, it was delivering them from real peril in this life. And he says Jesus functions precisely the same way by inviting us into wholeness and goodness and wellness and sustainability. Now, you might ask, does that mean Jesus didn't believe in heaven and, and, and therefore we shouldn't either? Well, Rohr is adamant, certainly not. Rohr says, of course, I hold on to the promise of the resurrection, which is eternal life. Jesus clearly takes salvation and kind of elevates it or opens it up to a new level or names it in a new way. He says, I'm not denying eternal life and the promise of the resurrection at all. He says, what I'm saying is that if you make, and these are now my words, all of scripture about an entrance exam into heaven, then you've embarked on a great adventure of missing the point. And Rohr says it's worse than that. Rohr says it's heresy. He says it's heresy because it it requires you to throw out three-fourths, if not seven-eighths of scripture which is clearly focused on making life better here and now. Rora calls this antiseptic Christianity. Antiseptic because it scrubs out the calling to do all the dirty work of making the way for the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the way of God, God's shalom, God's peace, right here and right now. That's what we're called to do. And I say we intentionally. This is not something that we delegate to God, even as we honor God's sovereignty. As Rohr says time and again, it's always about participation. Jean Vanier, the founder of the L'Arche Communities, where differently abled people come and live in community um, all over the world, writes a beautiful commentary in the Gospel of John. And he says, when you say uh, that Jesus came to bring the good news to the poor, the good news is not that God loves the poor. What makes us think that the poor don't know that? The poor don't need to hear that God loves them. The poor need to hear that we love them. That's the question in doubt. And that's not expressed with sentimental statements or cards that's expressed in ordering society in a way that people at the bottom have a chance. That the people who are pushed aside or exploited are restored to power, an agency, and an opportunity at a meaningful life. We don't delegate uh, reordering society to God. Shane Claiborne, a powerful evangelical in Philadelphia, says, you know, when I sit sometimes and pray and ask God, why do you allow all the injustices? And we can name them all, right? Why do you allow those injustices to exist in your world, God, if you are real and you love this world? And he says, I always hear whispering in my ear the spirit saying, why do you allow them to happen? You're my hands. You are the body. You are my feet. It's up to you to join in this heavenly work of making heaven happen on earth. We say it every week in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. You need both. This question of justice is a critical one that Claiborne raises, and it's interesting when you raise justice in some churches, people can get a little resistant, get nervous, where are you headed with this? Churches, their wheelhouse tends to be charity, right, which is the alleviation of suffering in the moment, critical work, uh, Christ-like work. People are in pain, we meet their pain, they're hungry, we give them something to eat, they need a place to sleep, we help give them a place to sleep. Churches are quite good at that. But justice asks, why is it they're hungry? Why is it they don't have access to mental health care? Why is it they have nowhere to stay? Why is it they're fleeing their homeland? What's going on there? Sandlin, Reverend Mark Sandlin, this Presbyterian pastor in North Carolina, says, charity is love in the present. Justice is love projected into the future. Justice is love with a strategy. It's not about choosing one or the other. It's about putting both in action at the same time. Continuing with the work of charity while daring to do the work of justice. Now, why do I say daring? Because as our discussion about power uh, laid out earlier, the moment you start asking those questions, you're inevitably going to be calling to account some of those who are in charge. And that gets difficult sometimes, heated sometimes, disagreeable. Some will say, well, we shouldn't get into that because how do we know what justice looks like? Well, ask those on the bottom. It's pretty clear to them what justice looks like. And there's a critical caveat here, just as there are some who want love, charity with no justice. There are plenty who want justice but know nothing of love, and the two cannot, cannot be divorced. We know this, right? I mean, I've been in these situations where I actually agree with a group of people about some issue, but the way they're conducting themselves, the way they're enacting is, is so um, is so angry and, and almost violent, or sometimes literally violent that you're pushed away. It undercuts their very authority and what they're trying to say. Now understandably. Certain justice movements are born of anger. And how could you not be angry? If you really looked at the world, and you might have different heartstrings for different issues, but you look at something you care about that's that's terribly wrong, how could you not be angry? But if the anger just stays there and you don't grow, I don't want to say out of it, that's condescending, but through it to a higher level, then the only fruit you will bear is hatred. And hatred cannot give birth to salvation. Only love can give birth to salvation. So just as charity without justice is incomplete, justice without love is bankrupt. No, don't get me wrong, you'll still find opposition. You might still be opposed uh, with chosen ignorance. You might be opposed with all measure of ugliness, but at least you'll have the one thing that matters, and that's integrity. And you know this. It was now decades ago that this church took a stand uh, around full inclusion of persons in in the religious life, uh, regardless of sexual orientation and sexual identity. And you faced opposition in the world, and you faced opposition inside. So you know what this is like. In the end, Zond um, makes a bold confession. And by confession, I mean profession of faith. And it just so happens it's the oldest confession in the Christian church. He says, I believe that Jesus is Lord. Not Lord Lord elect. Uh, Not Lord someday when he comes back. Jesus is Lord now which means that is my organizing principle for life. That's my politics, he says, and I will organize everything I do around that. When I started today, I told you about sitting with the children, and I I tried to conjure in you uh, this, this notion that would repulse us, that God would look at one of those lovely children and deny them salvation in the next life. Let us not then deny any of God's children salvation in this life. Let us join our righteous work of charity with righteous work for justice. And let it be not simply our work as private citizens, as important as that is, but our work as a people of God, as a church of Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: So in our music this morning, we've tried to capture this idea of charity and justice. You know, in that first song, Beautiful, the importance of reminding one another how beloved and blessed and beautiful we are through our words and through our deeds. And now in this song, as Lila sings it this morning, I encourage you to consider how it is that we stand with and stand by one another, not just here in this community, but out in the world as well. So this is called Stand By You.
7: Hands, put your empty hands in mine And scars, show me all the stars you
2: hide
7: And hey, broken, your brother? take mine so yours can open too Cause I'm gonna stand by you Oh, tears make a lot of scopes in your eyes. And hurt, I know you're hurting, but so am I. And love, if your hands are broken, follow my to yours for making two. So I'm gonna stand by you. Even if we're breaking down, we can find a way to break through. Even if we can't find heaven, I'll walk through hell with you. Love, you're not alone i I'm gonna stand by you Even if we can't find heaven I'm gonna stand by you Even if we can't find heaven I'll walk through hell
2: with you Love,
7: you're not alone Cause I'm gonna stand by you Yeah, you're all I never knew I needed And the heart sometimes sometimes through I speed up and know if your wings are broken, we can raise the Lord's emotions too, cause I'm gonna stand by you. Oh truth, I guess truth is what you believe in. And faith, I think faith is something to own And no, if your wings are broken, follow me, I your can open too, i I'm gonna stand by you. Even if we're breaking down, we can find a way to break through.
2: Even if we can't
7: find heaven, I'll walk through hell with
2: you. Love, you're not alone. So I'm
7: gonna stand by you. Even if we can't find heaven, I'm gonna stand by you. Even if we can't find heaven, I'll walk through hell with you. Love, you're not alone. So I'm gonna stand by you. I'll be your eyes when yours can't shine. I'll be your arms, I'll be your steady satellite when you can't rise. Well, I'll cry with you on hands and knees, cause I'm gonna
2: stand by you. Even if we're breaking down, we can find a way to break through. Even if we can't find heaven. I'll walk through hell with you. Love, you're not
7: alone. So i I'm gonna stand by you. Even if we can't
2: find heaven, I'm gonna stand by you. Even if we can't find heaven, I'll walk through hell with you. Love, you're not alone.
7: i I'm.
1: to stand and join us in our doxology. We're going to sing this a cappella, so I invite you to let your voices ring. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. may be seated. I want to highlight just a few things that are coming up here in the life of the church and invite you to take a look at the bulletin because there certainly is a lot happening. First, one announcement that's not in the bulletin, starting next week following worship at about 11.15, Rob's going to begin a three-week study focused mostly on scripture. He's calling it, What Does the Bible Say About Migrants? Certainly a hot topic in our society today, and through the next three weeks, Rob will be looking at that through the lens of scripture, again, starting next week, February 3rd, 10th, and 17th, following worship. Uh, we have a new member orientation coming up on 5th, February 10th. If you're new to the congregation, interested in learning more about membership, or if you're not new to the congregation and it's ready to, ready to take that step of being a member, join us on the 10th. Let Rob or me know if you want to come. We have some advanced reading material for you. If the 10th doesn't work for you and you'd still like to meet with Rob or me to talk more about it, please, we are more than well willing to do that. We have a women's retreat coming up. It's going to be the last weekend of March. We have registration forms on the table out in the Narthex. So that is something that is of interest to you, the women's retreat out in Inverness. Uh, we invite you to register for that and mark your calendar for the last weekend of March. And finally, immediately following worship today is the annual meeting of our congregation. Uh, All are welcome to attend, Uh, members are welcome to vote. We're going to review the budget that the session has passed. We're gonna vote on pastor compensation, we're going to vote on all our new church officers, and just a time to be together looking ahead to the year 2019. There will be childcare available, you have a child we invite you to get them from Sunday school get them settled on the playground with Muhaber and then come and join us all right I invite you now to stand as you are comfortable for our closing hymn live into hope it's number 772
2: <laughs> live into hope
0: note, we're we're letting you out early because our hope is that you can stick around for the annual meeting. A couple of notes on that and how we'll proceed before the benediction. If you have to uh, maybe go out to use the restroom or to to pick up one of your children, you can do that. We'll give about a minute between the blessing and the beginning of the meeting. You should note, though, there is child care available so you can stay. Uh, On the Sacred Stories front, Bethany, they probably need to go get their children, and then usher them to child care on the playground? or in the, Yeah, on the playground. I will say, though, Sacred Stories doesn't really like it when we get out early. So if you have a child in Sacred Stories, you might hang out till 11 on the dot to go uh, get your child, and then you can bring them to the, the playground for that. If you need to readjust, then everybody else just come to the front, and we'll begin our meeting about two minutes from now. <laughs> so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ... The love of God, who is Father and who is Mother of us all, in the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day, be with you every day. Amen.
1: And if you're remaining here, we're going to go back and sing that very first song that we opened worship with. So if you're staying here in the sanctuary, join us. Come share the spirit,
2: moving among us, weaving in and through this place. Splitting divide, bringing wholeness to embrace. Come, living spirit,
1: loom in our
2: heart as when the desert bursts with light. Take thirsty souls, fill them with your love, and remove all greed and strife. Come, rushing waters, let justice roll like an ever-flowing stream, till the world finds Come, blazing fire, anoint our tongues with the messages of peace. Through the blind we see, and deaf we and the prison find release. Come, gentle breezes, breath of all loving, given to God's chosen band. God. Let us dance at peace with the broken ones, bring compassion to our land.
0: Okay, there's your 30-second uh, warning before we begin. So come on forward if you're gonna stick around. It's all right. You'll have a minute, Bruce, so just wait. Just wait on that for a minute. Yeah, or Sally. Okay, let's go ahead and gather near the front and begin. Let's see how well this works. The Lord be with you. Oh, pretty good. Uh, Let us pray. Gracious one, you've been so good to this congregation. You have blessed it with bright, creative, passionate, faithful people, generous people. And so we gather as a congregation for this special meeting to praise you, to give thanks, to seek a way forward that is responsible and wise and courageous. And so we ask your blessing upon this time. In Jesus' name, amen. My effort to begin this on time and to move it along is in no way to downplay the importance of this moment. So we won't rush. We'll take the time we need. Uh, We also won't dally for the sake of dallying. I know clergy who use this time as an opportunity to give a State of the Church address you can imagine how that goes over, um, so I, I won't do that. You've already heard me preach once, which, depending on who's counting, may be one time too many, but it is worth saying literally in just a sentence or two what a year it has been for this congregation, all the work, all the commitment you all did in that the marvelously successful capital campaign. Um, coming off um, uh, of just a a big couple years of planning and preparing. So what a year it has been. We're in the middle of this really powerful season. I think we're just on the cusp of a season of growth, not just on the building um, and not just in terms of membership, though I think that too, but maybe in terms of spirit, maybe in terms of uh, things we want to do and try and be about. And so I simply want to honor that and name that as we begin let me tell you what the agenda is going to be, so you know what's coming. It's pretty simple. And then I'll just sort of be the MC. I'll moderate our way through it. So um, we've already called the meeting to order. I can tell already that there is a quorum, so I'll declare that. We've done the opening prayer. Um, this is the agenda. First thing I, what we'll do, I'll just sort of say it now, is... If you would like to see the meeting minutes from the last congregational meeting, our clerk Susan Burkout is here. She has them available. That's a procedural piece we have to do. Um, So you can see her anytime about that. The first thing we'll do then is we will elect church officers for the next year. This is deacons, elders, um, financial review, and, and next year's nominating committee, and they don't really start their work in earnest until the fall, but they'll spend all year kind of keeping their eyes open. And I'll turn it over to Michael Hatfield for that in a few moments, and he'll say a little bit about that. We have a slate of candidates. Some are in your bulletin, and then I have some to read aloud, and so I'll help, I'll, we'll tag team that portion. Then we will bless those who have stepped forward. Uh, then I'll turn it over to our finance folks. To review the budget in the Presbyterian Church, the elders, the session approves the budget. The congregation reviews it. The budget's been out for a week. You've had a chance to look at it, but you'll have a more chance today. We have copies on hand, which we can pass out. Harbo Jensen is our finance chair, and he, can, he will field questions from that. We also have other elders in the room who can speak to that if, if necessary. So you'll have a chance uh, to ask questions about that. It's important that you, you can see that. It's your budget. Then every year, this is a kind of a wonky thing in Presbyterian polity. The elders do the budget, but the congregation sets the clergy compensation. So you vote on that annually. You'll have a recommendation before you. That'll be passed out as well. That's been out also. During that time, uh, I hope you know this, but obviously we will leave the room, all clergy and their families, so you can feel free to ask whatever question you want to ask or say whatever you need to say. Um, that will take as long as it needs. I'll turn that over. Harbo will just kind of shepherd that through as well. But there are personnel members here. Personnel chair is here. And other personnel members here if you have questions on that. And then when that is concluded, you'll call us back in, and we will close everything in prayer. The last thing I'll say before I hand it over to Michael for the nominating committee is that, as Bethany said, this is an open meeting to anybody. So if you're not a member... I'm glad you're here to learn more about us. Just simply refrain from voting when it's time to vote on anything, okay? And we plan to do things probably by voice or hand vote, but um, it's always within your right. If you want to ask for a ballot vote, we can get ballots if you'd prefer that, okay? So uh, first order of business is um, nominating committee to present the slate of candidates. Michael, do you want to say anything? And if anybody who talks should use the microphone, okay? Uh, yes, when, when you, if you want to call them up, sure.
8: Hi, I'm Michael Hatfield, and I was uh, blessed to serve on the nominating committee this year. So, before you head quickly for the door, <laughs> the good news is we have a full slate. I would ask the, those that have, um, if you, those that are, are here that are um, stepping up for next year's um, deacons and elders, please come forward. And I know, I know, there's more than just Vince, so come on up, don't be shy. <laughs> Oh, we got most people here.
0: This is great, Uh, So
8: we have, um, just very, very quickly, Rob, um, the nominated committee um, spends a lot of time um, looking, you know, and and asking for um, participation. And I want all of you to take a really good look at these fine folks, all of them who said yes. Let's put our hands together and thank them. Okay, Rob. I will turn it back to you.
0: Okay. So, um, just to review some names, and then I want to see what other, if we have any gaps to fill. So, stand by. So, for serving as an elder, we have Vince DeQuattro, Lisa. Uh, and raise your hand, actually, when you get called. So, not everybody has faces with names. It's a good reminder for name tag. Vince DeQuattro. He is re-upping. Little known secret: you can serve a second term consecutively. <laughs> and Vince signed up. I know. I know. Faithful. Uh, Lisa Dini. Jennifer Finger, Kurt Peterson, Sophia Harkins, Deacons, Gary Carlson, Judy Freedy, Judy isn't here, uh, Carolyn Gray, Ginny Quick. And Peter Sayers re-upping, at least for a partial term, as I understand it. Okay, now we have a couple of other groups that don't serve year-round. They serve for just um, periods of time. One is financial review, and I don't have a complete list. We have Chuck Quick, right? Chuck is, Chuck is Do we have anybody else for that slate yet? Okay, so we, we still need two for the financial review. I'll we'll get to that in a second. Um, and nominating committee for next year, we have four at-large members were required. The reason is because the at-large members have to um, outnumber the current elders. So it's not a board replacing itself, if that makes any sense. And all I have down uh, is Vince is an elder, so he's not an at-large member. Michael Hatfield. Sally, are you, am I right that Sally Pasternak, I believe Sally is doing it. Um, And we have two open slots, so I'm not going to make you stand up here forever, but I'm going to make you stand up here for a couple of minutes, because in the past years, we've had tougher openings than this. We've had open deacon slots and open elder slots, and um, the spirit started to move, and and we started to turn up the heat, and, and lo and behold, before we adjourned, we had those slots filled. So let me say just a little bit about the two sets of openings to see if that spirit might move again. And then we will bless those who have stepped forward, okay? If you're comfortable with that. The Financial Review Committee conducts what is not a complete audit, but a review of the finances of the church for a short period of time. How long does it take, Peter? A couple of months of work reviewing books and so forth. And we have a little bit of a manual that shows you how to do it. So you do not need to be a CPA Um, To do this, but we just need members to make sure we look at our procedures and we're doing okay They they go through kind of a checklist and then they file a report to the elders to consider if we any practices We need to change so I'll let that percolate Um, the nominating committee will begin their work in earnest next September under already uh, stepped up leaderships, so you don't have to chair and their job is to populate a slate of uh, candidates for these roles and it just uh, we again we supply you with lots of resources and then you reach out to folks in the congregation to see how they might be willing to serve whether it's in a role such as this or maybe on a commission if not something such as this so with that is anybody here feeling able and willing to step up for either of those roles. We have two slots for a financial review. We, is that a yes from Hamp? Not for, for the other one, for nominating? nominating. Oh, you're my man, Hamp and We can take more. Uh, I see a hand here, Diane. Yeah, and I, I will not mm-hmm. do no, you not can't not do not a financial. <laughs> <laughs> be. Oh, love it, nominating. Yeah, financial, <laughs> financial review, look at this. Financial review, so we have uh, Diane Newman for nominating, Hant for nominating, uh, Louis Burk out for a financial review. We have um, actually in the wings a, um, a waiting potential financial review person, but is anybody else feeling moved? You're, you already are, but for an elder, we need an at-large. I said, Please. Oh, yeah. I th- <laughs> um, do you know if Chuck Freedy has confirmed yet then here's, okay, going once, <laughs> going twice, here's what we're going to do. Forgive me, uh, God and Chuck, uh, Freedy, we're going to vote him on, and if he doesn't want to do it or is unable to do it, then we'll come back to you with a replaced candidate for that. So that way it's, it's done if he says yes, okay? That's what you get for not coming to church, So those elders and deacons are before you in the bulletin, and I've named the other ones, all the other officers. Um, By constitution, I need to open the floor for nominations from the floor. Are there nominations from the floor to bump any of these folks off and replace them? (laughs) Not trying to be too silly, but hearing none. Then I will entertain a motion to approve this slate of candidates for service to the church. And second, it sounds like any further discussion? All in favor say, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Don't go anywhere. Now I should stand out here because on behalf of the congregation, I want to thank you before I pray for you. I want to thank you and those you're attached to that love you, um, because there will be evenings they will be without you for a couple of hours for meetings you're in. There will be time when you could be doing something else that you'll be doing work for uh, a committee you're, you're sitting on, that you will, div- you will sacrifice of your time and of your talent and of your treasure to serve this church. And we do not take that lightly. So we're honored. The church cannot function without volunteers and lay leaders. The Presbyterian church is named for elders. That's what the word Presbyterian means in Greek, elders. And the deacons serve on an equal level in a different function. So we thank you and we honor you in advance for the work that you will put in. Now, let us pray. Gracious one, you have raised up in our midst leaders of different ages of different interests, of different skill sets, all serving the same Christ, all anointed by the same God, all given what they need to come together as a body, to deliberate or to serve, to dream, to envision, to step out in faith. And so we bless them, O God, in your name. We thank them and we pray that your spirit would be with us every step of the way. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Uh, please take uh, an opportunity to thank some of these folks personally as you encounter them. And I'll say right now, too, prayerfully consider how you might serve in the coming year, whether it's being a part of a commission to get your foot wet a little bit and think about maybe someday I'm called to be an elder or a deacon or in whatever role fits your interests and passion. Uh, it cannot happen without you. I think it's time now to turn it over to um, Harbo, where is Harbo, where'd you go, uh, to do finance. And I know we have handouts, both additional um, budgets as well as clergy compensation sheets. And I should also take this opportunity as Harbo comes forward to tell you that the annual reports have been done. We have electronic copies you can get from the office, but there, there is a stack of some hard copies on the way out. I encourage you to look at these. You can see what's happening in wings of the church you didn't even know existed. Harbo.
6: Thanks. So uh, the, I'll tell you in a minute how the challenges we had with the budget this year, they were quite severe. But I was inspired by Rob's sermon, as I always am, Rob. And looking back, I have a great idea for, I don't think we have to vote on this, but to bridge this gap. When you look back at when he talked about the church being in power, so here's the deal. Next year we're going to start selling indulgences, <laughs> you see? Now this will work out really well. Because we can do the the renovation. The, the guy. Some people tried this. They got this great basilica in Rome now, where they did their renovation. The only downside is, um, some guy made nail ninety-five theses to the front door. But then we can handle that. We got glass tours, So anyway, we'll keep that in the back of our mind. So the uh, the problem that we had uh, this year, there were, there were twofold There's a revenue side. Uh, pledges were down compared to what they were uh, last year. The, steward, the campaign did a great job uh, contacting everyone. Uh, but because there was some donor fatigue after the capital campaign, I think there's, uh, that, that was down. And also there's some pledges still outstanding. So if you have not yet sent them in, that would be really good. The other thing is that when you look ahead, uh, to this year, halfway through the year, when the renovations start, we're going to lose the rent from the trip from the Alcoholics Anonymous. So that lowers lowers the rent as well. On the revenue, on the expense side, um, what we have is most of the expenses for this church are what we call uh, non-controllable in the short term. There, are, there are salaries, benefits, taxes, pg e bills, and so on. So this only leaves. Um, was it 13 percent of the overall budget is stuff that we can we can start messing with, and that was was uh, not enough to close the gap, so we did some other things of taking money from reserves and, and moving that around to come up with what I think is a is a fairly uh, balanced uh, and acceptable budget. So with that, just brief introduction. Any uh, I open it for questions or comments or anything like that. Oh, this is great. Anyone who so oh yes. yes. Yeah, well, the, no, we didn't take money out of the reserves to balance the budget yet. There's, a, there's an $1,800 gap, which may come out of the reserves later. But into buildings and grounds, if you look at their, their budget, it was about $27,000 for repairs and maintenance. But they had built up over the years a $51,000 reserve from donations and years where they underspent that reserve. So this year, the budget will be zero instead of $27,000. But they will probably spend 27000 but it will come out of that reserve account. And,
0: and maybe another way of saying it is, is to use the word dedicated rather than reserve. So prior to the endowment, prior to the legacy fund, we just had dedicated accounts for certain commissions. And now that we have the endowment, we've been trying to liquidate those as needed. And so as, as Harbo said, buildings and grounds has this chunk of money which is to be used um, when needed, and the decision of the elders was if there's ever a year in which it's needed, it's this year, and so the suggestion is as these day-to-day repairs come about, some of which won't happen because that building is going to be getting renovated, but say something happens in here um, or uh, in the preschool building to take that money from your dedicated account. So it's not the general operating reserves. It's yeah. for Th-
6: that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Rob. That clear. yeah. Um, it, was, it was in there in the back. The budget is, the budget are the last few pages of that act. Yeah. the first, you're looking at the um, 2018 um, uh, UN, so, and then the yeah. budget actually is. So the, the yeah, so the, the, the pledges this year were, yeah, if you look at the back, $675,000 versus $701,000 last year. So it's down about $26,000. Michael. I I think is there anyone here from the stewardship campaign? I I didn't get into the details on that. I was just got the final number from them. Anyone? The question was uh, on the pledging uh, on a per giving unit basis had there been a change. Is anyone know- knowledgeable about that? Oh, yes. Hi, Susan. Bill said in the session, most pledges were either the same or a little higher than they had been the year But some people had pledged the year or did not pledge. So, are the pledging units then lower? Is that what you're saying? The pledging units is lower. Okay. Any other questions, comments? Yes. yes yes correct yeah yeah there, there is a A legacy which is like the endowment for the church kicks off about for general operations about 17,000 a year and um there was it was not taken last year so that that's coming out this year as well as the normal 17 to about 35,000 and that's the other way that sort of helped the church function. The, the, we have to do a budget to present to you today, but there's still pledges that are outstanding, which is why I said if you have them, get them in. We could end up with a higher number than that. Yeah, and I, and I tried to, maybe I put in one sentence and I should have put in more. The stewardship campaign did a fantastic job this year. I mean, when you look at coming on the heels of this huge capital campaign to do that well, it's just, just really great. Okay? Any Yes? A well well said, particularly after the, the uh, service this morning where we talked about reaching out to the poor and, and uh, directly doing things for them to set salvation in this life. Okay? Yeah. We, we get a little bit of rent from Alcoholics Anonymous when they have their, their meetings here, but when renovations start, they use Finley Hall, I believe, uh, when the renovation starts, they will not be able to use this, so they have to go someplace else. So the budget includes only the rent from them through half a year, and it goes away. It's not a big, a big, a big drop, but it was just one more. Yeah,
0: yeah we've talked to him about it. I think. I think the decision has been, correct me if I'm wrong, that they wanted a, a place where they could, they do that on occasion, but it means they don't have coffee, they don't have, so they wanted to find a place where they can have a more regular routine. The expectation, as I understand, is that they will return to us in our new space, but there are a couple groups like that that we had to bump for a, for a time, and we lose a little bit of revenue from a couple of folks. Yeah. We also end up having to spend a little bit more um, because the, uh, to put up the preschool during the renovation. They'll, have two, they'll be displaced from two classrooms. So there'll be some expense associated with that. So that's a long-term, This the building will, will help us in terms of revenue. But in the short term, it's obviously going to be a cost.
6: Any other comments, questions, discussion? Great. So I think, Rob and Bethany, it's time for you to leave. Yeah, so we'll turn and, uh, it Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll go... Uh,
0: yeah. So Harbo is here to present the, the terms of call for the clergy, and also just note that Betty Hassler is here, and maybe some other personnel committee members yeah. are here. If you have questions, so thank you, Harbo. Thank we'll, you. we'll be upstairs.
6: So uh, I, Randy, you, do you have extra copies of the terms of call, or someone? Oh, Bruce. They're all gone. Okay. So if you, they're they're out they're out there floating around. You're going to have to share them. Uh, basically, uh, in summary, was the the. The Personnel Committee recommended about a 2.5% salary increase, and, uh, so, but then when you put that, some of the things do not increase the, the allowances for them uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, you know, housing or whatever. So there's about a 2.3%, about 2.4% increase uh, for them, and we'll, we'll follow a, if there's a motion to adopt these. We'll have a second before we o- open the discussion. Is there a motion on that? Is there a second? Okay, so we'll open the floor to discussion on the motion for this salaries. Okay, and no discussion appearing. I'll move the question. All in favor? Aye. All opposed? Okay, motion carried. Would someone uh, go back and ask the clergy to come back in? I'm done. (laughs) I think think they they thought they were going to have a longer break here. They're trying to find the. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So, for my next number, I'd like to sing something from the Eagles, 1972 Peaceful, Easy Feeling. Unofficial. Yeah, the the numbers they were lumped together. I don't know why they changed the presentation, but in the past it was two uh, two numbers, and then this year it was uh, was one. Let's see. Um, yeah, I think it goes back to 2017. They were lumped. Total. Oh. Yes, the salary, the taxable salary, as it were, is a 2.5% increase. But then you see some of these don't change uh, much, the full amount of the 2.5%. So um, it it ends up being the 2.35, 2.38. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.